no, we, I am excited to, uh, the opportunity to get to speak this morning. I'm so grateful to Pastor Ryan, who's allowed me this opportunity um, while he and the family are getting some much needed rest and restoration as they get a little time away together. So we get to be together this morning, and I'm excited about that. And this morning, we're going to start in, a, in an odd place with an odd story. And before we go there, you guys, you guys with me? Yeah? Okay, cool. Because that's where we're going to go. I'm going to read. So um, I had this thought when I was uh, getting this together. Go ahead and turn to Acts 9. And we're going to read 1 through 20. I know. That's a lot. And that's great. When I was thinking of it, I'm like, that's kind of like a big, um, I'm going to move these. I'm like, that's kind of like a really big wave. So let's see how it lands. Okay. I'm going to read Acts 9, starting in verse 1. And I'm going to read all the way through 20, did I say? 20 it is. All right. Let's move you. All right. Big wave. Here we go. And again, this is an odd story because it's a time when Jesus caused someone to be blind in order for them to see. Rather, God caused someone to be blind in order for them to see. So here we go. Then Saul, still breathing threats, and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked, um, a- and asked letters for him to take to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them both to Jerusalem. As he journeyed, he became, as he journeyed and came near Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Then he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And then the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. So he trembled and astonished, said, Lord, what do you want me to do? Then the Lord said to him, arise. Go into the city and you will be told what you must do. Yes, though, with me? Awesome. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but they saw no one. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes, um, sorry, and he rose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. But they led him by hand uh, and brought him into Damascus. And was there three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. Now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Here I am, Lord. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight, and inquire at the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying, and in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming, coming in and putting his hands on him so that he might receive his sight. Can you guys say that with me? Receive his sight. Ready? One, two, three. Receive his sight. I'll time it better next time, I promise, but that is very important for where we're going this morning. Then animal, <laughs> animals, there's no animals here. Then Ananias, great name, dude. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, 
how much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. This is great. But the Lord said to him, go, for, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how many things he must suffer for my namesake. And Ananias went, and Ananias went his way. Good call, dude. And entered the house and laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized. So when he received food, he was strengthened. Then Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Verse 20, last verse, also equally as important. Immediately he preached the Christ and the sin, uh, in the synagogues and in... Sorry, I'm going to go again. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Amazing, amazing story. Okay, Saul was so convinced that how he was living was okay. It said he was on a mission. He had stuff coming out under his breath. He was focused. He was going after what he thought was okay. The way he was living, he was firmly convinced that it was an okay way to live. It's interesting that when he was blinded, it's almost like God let him see his natural state in the spiritual God let him see that he was blind, that how he was living was not the way to live. I think that's really interesting. Jesus says this in Matthew 6, uh, 22 through 23. You don't need to turn there if you want to. There's going to be, heads up, so there'll be a few verses, like I said, that are some big waves. We're just going to see how those land. Uh, but there's a lot of small ones in between that I'm just going to kind of go through. So this is one of them. Okay, so Jesus says in Matthew 6, 22 through 23, if the light that is in you is darkness, how deep that darkness is. Meaning, if you think that how you're living is okay and it isn't, how strong is that deception over you? That was the case for Saul. There was a strong deception over him. Okay. Much like God blessed Saul with eyes to see spiritually, that's what I'm going to pray for us for this morning because it is important on where we're going. So if you'll bow your heads with me. Father God, I pray this morning that you would give us eyes to see in the Spirit. God, that you would give us eyes to see you, ears to hear you, and hearts that are teachable to your leading and to your way. In Jesus' name. And if you agree with me, just say, I receive that for myself and for my family. Amen. Okay, here we go. So starting in kind of an odd place, we're going to get back around to that. First thing I want to talk about this morning is this correlation that happens between your mind, your heart, and your behavior. Did you know that they actually work in union? And it's kind of like, for lack of a better term, an ecosystem that's currently at work within you. I'm going to read some verses that is going to kind of shed some light on this, this idea, this ecosystem that's at work within us. So I'm going to go through a bunch right now. The first is Proverbs, and it's Proverbs 23, verse 7. 
And it says this, for as a man is, uh, sorry, for as a man thinks, so he is. So he behaves, right? We see this, this pattern of something's coming into our thought life, it's coming into our head, and it's making its way down into our heart, and it's flooding out into our behavior. Okay, another one. Matthew 5, 27 through 28. It teaches us this, that to look at someone other than your spouse with lust for them is actually to commit, uh, what is it? It's actually to commit adultery with them in your heart. So we see that something we see, we let influence how we think, we let that thought make its way down to our heart, and it influences how we behave. We see evidence of this ecosystem at work. Let's go for another one. Proverbs 12.25 says this, Anxiety in the heart of a man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. When an anxious thought gets into the heart, it causes that person's outward expression their behavior, it causes, their, it causes it to change. Their countenance changes. They're depressed. They're sad. They're hopeless. We see that outward expression very heavy because of something that started up here. Okay? In the same way, a good thought, remember it says uh, towards the end, um, but, a, but a good word makes them glad. A good thought makes its way into the heart and is allowed access into our behavior, and it changes our countenance. We're really happy. We're really joyful. Have you ever been surprised with something? A good friend shows up at the door. Someone reaches out to you and calls you and just says, Hey, I've been thinking about you. How are you? What is happening? You feel that, that gladness that you feel thought of. You feel love. Something has entered your ecosystem and it's starting to run its course. Okay. You guys kind of see. So there's a bit of an ecosystem that's at work within, within you and I. When you are Lord of your own life, you run that ecosystem. Truthfully, if you read the word, it, if, you, if you're the Lord of your own life, that the ecosystem, it actually runs you. You're the one who calls the shots. This is who you were before you received Christ, but it shouldn't be who you are after you've received Christ. But it can be. Salvation is free. Anybody can receive salvation. Anybody can receive Jesus as Savior, but Him becoming Lord is a process and it's a process you have to choose. You can receive Jesus as your Savior, and He saves you out of whatever you were in, and that's where you let it end. I'm good. I'm out of this. I'll take on the identity of someone who follows the Lord, but He's really not my Lord. I'm Lord of my life. I choose how the ecosystem works. I choose what gets fed into it. And we see this case of someone becoming stagnant. That's not supposed to be the case. Okay. Let's keep going. I want to give some evidence of this. This idea that we can receive Jesus as Savior, but not choose for him to be Lord. We see in Luke 9, the very end, it just made it in there. Luke 9.62 says this, and this is Jesus speaking, but Jesus said to him, No one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. Don't go back to your old way of living. Don't go back to the life where you were Lord of it. He says, don't, don't do that. In 2 Corinthians 5, 15, it says this, speaking of Jesus. And he died for all, that those who live, this is important, should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died and rose again. So like I said, when you got saved, you received salvation. But God becoming Lord is a process. Lord of what? of your ecosystem, of your life, of the wholeness of who you are. 
Matthew 22, 37 through 38 says, and Jesus replied, you must, you, you're familiar with this, so if you are, say with me, you must love, go ahead, come on, you must love the Lord your God with all of your what? It's, come on, we, we can get loud, it's me up here, let's go. You must love the Lord your God with all of your, with all of your, come on and we'll all, with all of your, with all of your mind, and in some, uh, some translations it does say strength. The first and greatest command. He wants the totality of who you are. He does not want crumbs. He does not want partial. He does not want sometimes. He does not want to be Lord for a day. He wants to be Lord for your life. Okay? When we say yes to Jesus, we say yes of a life to we say yes to a life of yielding to him. And coming under his lordship. Okay, let's keep going. Yielding is connected to our, it's connected to our desires. This is why having a healthy ecosystem is really so important. Because when I set my mind on things above, I'm letting the realities of God's kingdom fill my heart. And I start to get renewed desires. I grow in my desire to yield. Yielding doesn't come naturally. It is a choice. It is so important what you set your mind to, what you set your mind on. So when you read through the scripture, it teaches you where to put it, where to place it, what to let into it. Because God knows when you feed truth into what he intended, what he created, that system, you will live a life empowered with health, with joy, with freedom. That comes when he is Lord and you are following him. Okay, so let's keep going. Uh, uh, okay, we're going to keep reading. So Colossians 3, 1 through 2 says this, and you're probably familiar with this too. Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Now listen to what it says about your thought life. Think about the things of heaven and not the things of the earth. Have you ever had a thought that when it gets into your head so consumes you that you think about it all day long and it begins to affect how you behave? Oh, not right now. I'm not super interested. I'm feeling kind of down. Or no, not right now. I'm just, something's not setting right with me. Have you ever had something come in and consume you? A thought come in and consume you? I'm going to show you and teach you really quick how we go about dealing with that the way God intended it to. Because God didn't just give us a system. God didn't just give us a system and say, go figure it out. I hope you do a good job. No, he gave us a system. and goes, here's how you do it. I'm going to give you power. Now you get to choose. I'm going to empower you with authority. And it's up to you whether or not you follow in this way. He wants to empower us because it is a partnership. Okay, so here we go. Um, let's do this. Where did I put it? Okay, here we go. I said a process by which we can filter things out. Okay, so Philippians 4, 6 through 9 says this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Simple format. You're including God in, in the conversation. You're bringing him alongside. You aren't trying to reason it out. You aren't trying to figure it out. You are partnering with the authority you are coming under that will empower you to do what you need to do. Okay? So tell God what you need and thank him for all that he has done. Gratitude is incredibly important. 
Otherwise, you get selfish, and over time, you think you did it. So make sure you remind yourself of who to give the honor to. Okay, we're going to keep going. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your what? Your heart and your mind as you live in Christ Jesus. It's pointing to the way he intended it to work. It's going to guard your heart, and it's going to guard your mind. It's going to guard that system that's at work within you. Okay. And here's the important part. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. And guys, this is our filter by which we take and choose which thoughts get to consume our minds and which ones don't. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you have learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. Do you see those standards? Is this thought honorable? Is it pure? Is it admirable? Is it right? Is it lovely? We take this filter and we go through and we go, you know what, it isn't because this thought isn't glorifying to God. It is glorifying something else. And if it's glorifying something else that's not God, chances are you shouldn't be thinking it. So what do we do? Like I said, God empowers you. He's given you authority. 2 Corinthians 10, 3-5. We are human, but we wage war. Uh, but we do not wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. To destroy, uh, we destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture those rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. What does that look like? It looks like taking responsibility in what you allow yourself to think about, what you allow your mind to be consumed with. Taking the responsibility of, God, that thought doesn't honor you. You've given me power. So it's as simple as this. God, that thought isn't of you. It's not what I want with my life. So it doesn't get to inform who I become. I bind it in the name of Jesus. And I just say, it's got to go in Jesus' name. And then I move on. I think about something else. I don't dwell on it and give it glory. I move on. I get in the habit of using the authority I was given. I get in the habit of following God's leading and coming under his lordship. This principle that I'm about to say is true in the natural, but is even more so in the spiritual. You will only ever have as much authority as you come under. If you live a life yielded to the Lord, you live a life that is yielded to his power and his authority working in and through you. All right, let's keep going. Are you awake? Are you with me? Give me some nods. Cool, because we got more to go. Okay, taking responsibility for what you think about is the start to allowing the word of God to have influence in your life. When we allow who God is to influence who we are, it changes the desires of our hearts. Now that the word of truth is my source and influence, what I am allowing in is actually creating a value for more of who God is. It brings healing to my life. It brings transformation. Changes who I become. When Jesus is Lord, growth, development, transformation, those things happen. Because it's his might, power, authority, love, light, and life that is actually beginning to empower my life. My ecosystem, if you will, is functioning how it was intended. And my desires that were once opposed to God's, get this, they become joined to his. 
okay? Jesus said, I only did what the Father told me to do. It wasn't a dual vision. It was unity. I did what he told me to do. My desires were his desires, okay? Okay. If you want to live and walk in all that God has for your life, give him the power, give him the authority, give him the lordship. Have you ever had it where you've been either like, you've been, uh, whether it's at church, whether it's in a Bible study, anywhere you're learning about the Lord, have you ever had a moment where you feel convicted to change or you feel like super inspired to grow, right? Anybody ever had that moment? I've had them. There's been those moments, right? And in the moment we say, yes, Lord, I want that. We hear the Spirit of God speaking and we say yes. But we go home and we never see the fruit of that. We go home and over time we start to get discouraged because it never happened. Our church is a house that believes in coming under the lordship of God. Thank goodness. Our leadership follows the leading of the Lord, submitting to his plan, submitting to his purposes, covering things in prayer and following the presence of God. When you are here, you are in an ecosystem that's functioning and thriving. So it can be really easy to come into church and get caught in the flow of what's happening and say yes and go home and not see things and wonder why. A lot of times... Like Saul, we can be so blind. Like, um, for example, I, I know receiving Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that is huge in someone's life. Not downplaying that at all. That's incredible. But sometimes we can be blind to the fact that that Savior needs to also become Lord as well, and that that's a process of yielding that I have to choose. We can be blind to that. The yes happens here. The yes could happen here. It could happen in a Bible study. It could happen wherever God is speaking and you're being taught. That yes happens, but the traction comes every day when you choose to yield. Growth, development, all of that is most often marked by lots of incremental steps rather than large leaps. I would love the large leaps. I'm sure you would do too. There's a lot of things in life right now. I'm like, could this just be a big old leap? But a lot of times, it's many incremental steps because you are teaching yourself. You are training who you are. This is how it works in the kingdom. I serve and I yield to how God wants to do it. That's how you get transformed in life. That's what happens when things begin to happen. Have you ever been in a place like church where you see someone with something and you go, man, I really wish I had that. I wish I had that on my life and in my life. You you can't get fruit from something you did not let God plant or grow or develop. He does that with you in partnership as the day goes on throughout the day. You learn to yield, yield the little things in life to the bigger things and you begin to have a life that is, get this, spirit led, led of the Lord. Okay, you guys tracking with me? Okay, cool. Um, okay. Uh, da, 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 da. Uh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Hmm. Okay, so question. Have you, have you ever wondered what your role is in the kingdom of God? Now, there's different times in our lives, right, where we have different focuses, we have different responsibilities, right? A young parent versus a grandparent versus a middle-aged parent versus someone who's retired. Like, depending on where you're at in life, your role changes, right? 
Your responsibilities change. So in that light is how I'm, how I'm asking this question. Where you are in your life right now, have you ever wondered what your role is in the kingdom of God right now in this season, in this time? Okay, some nods. Okay, okay. I want to tell you a story that hopefully now we see a little differently. We're all familiar with David the king, right? We're familiar with his story. But we're going to look at it with fresh eyes and we're going to ask some questions, okay? Let's rewind the clock a bit. He's a kid. Samuel, God speaks to the prophet Samuel. Samuel, you are going to anoint a new king of Israel. So Samuel goes to Jesse. Jesse's boys line up in front of Samuel and one by one they go in front of him and scripture says God refused them. And then we get to see this little sidebar that happens when God speaks into Samuel's ear and what does he say? I am looking at the heart. Do you see that? I am looking at the desires. That's what's important to me. David passes in front of Samuel. Samuel anoints him king. Why? Because God was looking for a king that would serve his heart's desires, not a king that would serve himself. David fell when he substituted the desires of God's heart for his own. He took lordship back. Lordship matters. Right now, God is looking for sons and daughters that will serve his heart's desires, not themselves. That he can raise up and appoint to places that carry the church far beyond four walls. Into homes, into offices, into communities. That's what he's looking to do. That's what he's looking for. People whose life is under lordship. Does that make sense? You tracking with me? Nick, could I have the, ministry, could I have the worship team come up? So here's what we're going to do. I, I'm going to pray for us, and we're going to give time over. Yeah, it's okay. Everybody, go ahead and stand with me. I'm already standing, but yeah, stand with me. Um, and we're just going to pray, see what God wants to do. Okay. Lord God... Lord, I ask that your Holy Spirit would come and minister to our hearts and minds as we lift you up as Lord of our lives. As we rededicate our lives to you, as we acknowledge, God, maybe we haven't had you as Lord over everything, and maybe you've just been Lord for a day. But we recognize that you want to be Lord over all, and that you care a whole heck of a lot about what gets in our system. So God, if, there's, if that's the case and we just need to repent and give our lives over to you, I pray that this would be a moment of just fresh rededication and acknowledging you as Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.